Welcome back to Everyday Disciples, the show where we talk about following Jesus wherever we are. I'm Pastor Matthew, and I'm glad you're here joining me today. We've got just one more episode after this one in our first season, and I gotta say, I'm so amazed by the response. We weren't sure anyone would tune in, but every week we're seeing new subscribers and more and more downloads. And don't worry, even though there's just one more episode left this season, we'll be back in January with another season of great episodes. Today, we've got some great stuff lined up. We start with Pastor Rob and I taking a look at some ideas about the end times. We're in the season of Advent, which is as much about the second coming of Jesus as it is the first. And that can be a confusing thing for Christians. So we break down some of the ideas and, and look at what the Bible has to say about it. Then, Adam Vanderstelt, Pastor Rob Appold, and I are back with another segment of Bibles Only Bible Study as we continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount together. And finally, Adam and I look at one of the songs we're singing this Advent season that might not be well known, but paints a great picture of Jesus' return. Lo, he comes with clouds descending. We've got lots of great stuff coming up. Let's go. Welcome back to another deep dive here on Everyday Disciples. I'm sitting here with Pastor Rob Appold. And, you know, we're in the season of Advent right now, which Advent for so many people is about looking ahead to Christmas. We mm-hmm. sort of think of Advent as like the, the countdown to Christmas. But Advent is as much looking ahead to Jesus' second coming as it is looking back to his first coming. That's its original intent. Yeah. And so I know I've... I've had this question posed to me a few times by uh, folks in in recent days, uh, or recent like throughout the last year, um, about like wanting to know more about the end times when when Jesus comes back. I, I think with when COVID hit and we had sort of this like worldwide pandemic going on, um, you know, there's instability around the world and things like that. So those wars and rumors of wars, as Jesus says in places in the Gospels and I think it's one of those um, topics that people are always kind of interested in. I don't know that they know what to do with it, okay. but like they're always a little bit interested in like what's going to happen, mm-hmm. what's what's the end going to be like, um, and we certainly have a lot of different ideas out there, right? People here in America, people encounter culturally maybe uh, one particular view of the end times that has really become popular. If you remember the Left Behind series, um, you know, the, the idea of like the rapture and the millennium and all this sort of stuff that is, is thrown around in that view of the end times. Or a Um, lot of the TV evangelists often like to chart it out on their whiteboard. Yep, have sort of a timeline of mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And you, we hear these words kicked around like the Antichrist right. and the mark of the beast and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I heard that again kind of cropping up in, in Christian circles around all of the discussion with the vaccine. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. You know, is this the mark of the beast? Is, is this now the, the next thing? Um, so it's on people's minds. And so I wanted to just kind of spend a, a few minutes kind of kicking that around a little bit. Um, as we were saying before we hit record here, probably not going to come away with a ton of answers because we just we don't know, right? We don't know what a can whole we lot. know for sure. Yep. and and we're going to have to live with a few blanks. Right. One of the things that I I think may be good for people to realize that I don't know if people do so because like the Left Behind series was so popular, 
Um, how long ago was that? Like 20 years ago now? I think um, it is that long yeah, ago. Yeah, it, it's been a little while. But because it was so popular, I think people have the idea that that's what all Christians believe oh, uh-huh. about when Jesus comes back, what it will be like. And they you mean prob- in popular culture in, for people who don't know Christians right. or theology. Right. And I would even wonder if a lot of Christians maybe feel oh, that way too. Right. Um, you know, depending on how much they've read their Bible, how much they paid attention at church, they may think that, and I don't know how much, in the time that I've been here at St. Matthew, we haven't really talked about the end times right. a lot. It's not a, it's not a, a common theme in teaching. So for a lot of folks... They might think that that's just what the church has always believed, mm-hmm. right? But that's not something that's always been around. No, the historic understanding of of end times has gone a, a dramatic shift. That's for sure. Right. I think people are often surprised when when I tell them like that's in a that whole idea of the millennium with the um, the rapture and all of that. Where, where the righteous get called up to heaven, everybody else is left behind, and then there's this whole, like, another coming of Jesus in there, that that's, like, a very recent thing in the church in the last, what would you say, like 150, 200 years? Yeah, I think it's about 200 years, yeah. And and very much a American thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that was kind of started here in America. Um, worldwide, that's not the dominant view that Christians have, and it certainly has not been what historically... Christians have believed about the end times. There have been some other kind of approaches to looking at what it will be like when Jesus comes back. Um, but I think for for us, we kind of fall into that camp of, of so much of revelation is symbolic. Right. It's, it's not to be read like a uh, an instruction manual for the last days of exactly how things are going to go in a way that we can calculate it all out. And I've, I've kind of used this, and I'd like your reaction. Scripture says what it means, what it means, not always what it says, mm. in the sense of... I like that. Well, the book of Revelation, it means something, but it's using word pictures in many ways, and certainly it's mm-hmm. a vision. So the the description, you know, the, what is it, the blood that's a mile deep and a mile wide, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's not literal. But if you take, right. if you hold a literalistic view of, you know, the thousand years, then you got to take that part as literalistic as well. And and that's maybe something to that we here in our culture in our day and age, um, we've kind of lost sight of that whole idea of apocalyptic literature. Oh sure, which yeah. is the genre that that Revelation is written in. Um, and revel or, uh, apocalyptic literature has certain conventions in it uh, that that people of the day. I mean, apocalyptic literature, Revelation was not the only book written that way. That was a, a way of writing yeah. in that day, yeah. and people just kind of understood. Like today, we know how fiction generally works. Mm-hmm. We know how historical uh, fiction or biographies work as a genre. And so when we encounter something, the, the example I always, for a little while, when I would talk about this with folks, that I would throw out, I don't know if anybody remembers the movie now, but the Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer, that was like, <laughs> what, 15, 15, 20 years ago, somewhere around there, um, that that movie was out. And it's like, you know, you, you see that and you realize that's not a biography. 
because <laughs> that, that's fiction. Um, and, and write and, that down. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a very narrow kind of fiction. And so, like when we encounter that, we just in our culture we know mm-hmm. what that means and and how to where to like classify that. But we've kind of lost that uh, apocalyptic literature genre when it comes to Revelation. And so there's a lot of like symbolism with numbers. There's symbolism. Sure, six sixty six. You know what? Who is that? Three Antichrist. and ten and twelve. And there's those numbers are are very symbolic. Even something like the hundred and forty four thousand mm-hmm. that's talked about in Revelation is the um, what is it? The the, the twelve thousand times twelve thousand twelve thousand um, times a thousand. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's twelve that number of whole like complete and yeah. ten whole and complete. So it's like all the all the everything's you know um, kind of summed together there. And when it does come to end times, I think you know the red letters would will be helpful. Start with the words of Jesus, because yeah. uh, if you start with Revelation, you can get bogged down into a lot of mystery and uh, you know presupposition built in yep. there. Somewhere along the way, I picked this up, and I don't remember if it was in a class or if it was just from a like a pastor that I had. But you know, let the let the clear passages interpret the incl- sure. unclear passages, That's... and so like. Revelation is basically all unclear, mm-hmm. right? And so, where do we go then to to find that clear stuff? We you know, look to the Gospels, look right. to Paul's letters, and and let what Jesus says, let what Paul says, clearly influence what how we interpret what Revelation says or other places in Scripture where we maybe don't have an immediate answer to it. An- another principle of interpretation is to be careful on building a doctrine out of something that's only referenced mm. once in Scripture. Right. So the word rapture is only technically used once, mm-hmm. and that, but that can, you know, you can build a whole lot on that. Right. But you look at it Like from a the, series of books the clear, and movies. Yeah. <laughs> you use the clear words to enlighten what is not clear. Right. And so, you know, our, our um, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use? Strand of Christianity um, tends to kind of look at the end times in in kind of a symbolic way. Um, that it's not about like a literal thousand years right. or anything like that. Um, we are in the end days today, Correct. and and any moment now, Jesus is going to come back, and there isn't that like. Jesus comes back, and then he, he's not a boomerang that comes back again and again and again um, after a rapture and after that kind of stuff. It's a one-and-done sort of a thing. There's technical terms for all this stuff, uh, for the different views of it, and, and if, you, if you care about that, it's, it's the amillennial view, mm-hmm. a meaning not. So it's you know, not a millennium, not a thousand, literal thousand years. Though there are churches and bodies of believers who believe in that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, who read the Bible that way, would you say that that is? Are, are they wrong for believing that? It would not be a cardinal doctrine. I mean, not one of those things that would be, you know, if it's not like de- denying the deity of Jesus, mm-hmm. that would be a, like a no go, <laughs> right? Uh, but this would be like this would be in the camp of. All right, you're misinformed on this, um, and there's a better way to understand this, but it's not. It's not pulling you away from the centrality of Christ and being 
made right in, through faith in Jesus. Right. Not a make or break it mm-hmm. sort of a salvation issue. We would maybe say um, something like the your view on the end times. I do like that the the way that we tend to approach well a lot of theology um, that we're okay with not knowing mm-hmm. that we don't have to figure it out. You know, these in my lifetime, um, you know, there have been a number of folks who have predicted dates for the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the guy was it in 2015 that he predicted it like in May, and then oh, forgot to carry the one. It's really in, in <laughs> after that date passed. Then it was oh, it's really October, right. um, or something like that. And was that the Mayan calendar one? No, that I do remember that one. That was 2012. Oh, that was a different. This, one. this was a oh gosh, I want to. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. I want to say a Southern Baptist preacher okay. um, who had had figured I it think all I out. I remembered that, but I and uh, I remember people talking to him after after both of those dates had passed, and he was just like he was so sure that he had it right, and just couldn't understand why why it didn't happen the way that he thought it was going to happen there, and which I mean, when we go to scripture and Jesus in the Gospels says even the sun doesn't know mm-hmm. the time. So I, I always want to go to those guys. So what makes you better than Jesus? That you would know that, that uh, Jesus doesn't know that time. That's for the Father to know. And when it's time, it'll happen. And if the things we can say, Jesus is, he does promise he will come again. It will be the end of the world as we know it. You know, and what's going to happen to this world? What's the new heaven, new earth? That's a whole uh, another, that would be a deep dive. Right, that's a whole other deep dive. <laughs> but... Uh, but how are you going to stand? Are you going to stand in your own righteousness, or are you going to stand in the righteousness of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and that it can happen at any time. It doesn't mean it's going to happen in our lifetime, but it could happen in our lifetimes. Right. I, I think of the, the first generation of believers, like they all believed that Jesus mm-hmm. was going to be back before they died. And we know, I mean, it kind of joke about it, we're closer today than we were yesterday. But it's true, mm-hmm. and there is we do need to kind of have that urgency that we can lose after 2,000 years that Jesus could come back at any moment. We don't know when. And there are places in the Gospels where Jesus kind of points to some of the signs, you know, is it the like when the fig tree blossoms and mm-hmm. you know, that's where the wars and rumors of wars kind of things. Everything that he mentions in those sections, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's been happening since since Jesus walked the earth. And it, it's that reminder that we're, we're there. We're, we're in the last days. It doesn't mean we need to live with fear. Um, and even the proclamation is at Matthew 24, 25. That's what I was just kind yeah, of Yeah, somewhere right, right at the now, end of Matthew. Um, that he says, then the end will come. When the gospel has been preached throughout the world, then oh, the end mm-hmm. will come. Um, that had... That actually was fulfilled in biblical times. I yeah. mean, that Paul took the gospel to the ends of the world. Right. So that imminency, a lot of people think that means it's going to happen, you know, tomorrow. But really, just it can happen any at any time. Right. And I think probably as we start to wind this up here, I, I think um, one of the the biggest things that I would want to make sure people understand and and know about the end times is that it's as followers of Jesus, it's not something that we need to be afraid of. I think there's a sense of fear, especially when you read through a book like Revelation, there's a lot of scary imagery in there, fire and brimstone and, um, you know, all sorts of like monsters monsters and and dragons. Yep. 
And so it, it feels, um, on one hand, it feels fanciful, like a fantasy type story, um, which it's not. This is, it is something, the end is coming and it's going to change everything. Uh, but it's not something that we who are in Christ need to fear. Yeah. Um, Jesus has us. We are, we are covered by him and he, he will bring us through that. And ultimately, whenever it happens and however it happens, we who are in Christ, because of his works, not ours, we're with him for all eternity mm-hmm. in the new creation, which will be far better than anything we can imagine here. Um, it's the world without sin, and that's going to be astounding. And so that's what I would want to leave people with, um, just thinking about the end times. Don't get so bogged down in, is is it going to happen now? Is it going to happen on such and such a date? Uh, what manner is it going to happen in? We don't know. But know that it'll happen and be ready. Uh, another, uh, I think, danger for some Christians is the pining for it that, oh, God, I can't wait mm. till till that happens, that they forget life right now. Sure. <laughs> Uh, or being or so like, so heavenly minded that you're no earthly yes. good, yeah. and that would be the other uh, flip side of the coin that Jesus is saying: stand firm until the end. And mm-hmm. that was what my eyes were just drawn through in Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness and love. Most will, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And I think many Christians, oh, the world's going to pot. That's, you know, right. it's upside down. God, just take me out of here. Well. There's a mission to accomplish here, mm-hmm. and that's what Jesus says. Keep at it until, until the final, you yep. know, to use a football analogy, till the final play or till the final whistle. Well, good. I, I think this is this has been a, a, a helpful conversation. I mean, certainly a topic we can continue to, to dig into, um, you know, in many different ways. And, and maybe, people can always send you a question, and you'll answer. Absolutely. Them, right? Yep. Yep. Always looking forward to, to questions from listeners and. Uh, we'll try to work those in as we get those. But uh, yeah, thanks, Pastor Rob, for, for sitting down for another deep dive here. Talking yeah, about and thanks time. to the listeners who are listening in. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Welcome back once again to another segment of Bible's Only Bible Study. Sitting here with Adam Vanderstelt and Pastor Rob Appold as we are uh, continuing to walk through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' biggest teaching uh, that we have in the Gospels. And we've, uh, if you've been following along with us through these segments here, we've just been coming at this only with our Bibles, leaving all the commentaries and other things behind, just like you might do when you're doing a a Bible study on your own. And so if you want to follow along with us, we are in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 21 today. And we start to get into some of the, um, oh, what do you want to say, a little more of the like pressing topics that Jesus brings up here. So looking at at first anger, and um, I'll I'll go ahead and read what we've got here. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 21 and read through 26, just so we've got it in our mind. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. 
Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Comforting words from Amen. Jesus there, right? <laughs> So we, we kind of started to allude to this in the last segment uh, of this that we did, that where you know Jesus is going to start to move into, and he, he does here, moving from that like outward appearance to the inside heart, and certainly gets into to that here. Um, you know that it's not just about murdering someone, but insulting and saying, "You fool." Uh, those are those are big deals. What do you think Jesus is getting at there? Well, I think the mega point is you as you said, it's purity is is not just a matter of outward behavior or mm. appearances. And I think he's also getting into the impurity that lies within every one of us. Sure. You can't get away from. You really can't. I mean, you can you can fool the people with your outward behavior, mm-hmm. but yeah, you can't. You'll never <laughs> find it inside of yourself. I, I mean, just practically, I think what Jesus is saying is, um, you know, that law that they they got in Exodus that said "do not murder" um, is far more extensive this, than just "don't kill a body." Right. It's about um, um, having an attitude towards somebody where <laughs> they think you want to kill them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just as much murder, that attitude or that position um, towards someone uh, as actual murder, I think, is what Jesus is trying and to And it's discuss. twisting you. Right. It's, it's impure. It's your impurity. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he really ratches it, or ratches it up or he isolates it down, whatever. You, how, whatever obviously, murder, uh, that's the act of killing someone. But then... Uh, you know, you're angry in your heart, but even the words you say something, you know, you say you're a fool um, to your brother. And then even the whole, if you're giving your, making your sacrifice and that you have something against, or somebody has something against you, leave the, there's something more important to do than, than making that offering. You know, I had a, a professor who, who talked about this verse um and kind of said, you know, a lot of times people will read this and they'll want to come right away with, well, but what about you know righteous anger? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's mm-hmm. a thing too. And he's like, you know, forget about the righteous anger. Just just have in your mind that being angry with your brother is the same as murdering him in God's mind. Anger mm-hmm. and murder are, you know, essentially synonymous. And yep, righteous anger can be a thing, but but just think about what Jesus is saying here, that in his mind, those are the same thing. Mm. anger and, and murder. We're not to have that attitude towards our brother, mm-hmm. towards our neighbor. We're to avoid anger like the plague. I wonder why he's, you know, you have heard it said. I mean, that's a little mon- or a little repeated mm-hmm. thing. I wonder why he just didn't say the law says. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It, I mean, it's repeated many times. So maybe it was a phrase that very a lot of people use for in quoting Old Testament law. Yeah, was that maybe something that the, the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, were, were kind of touting, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these these phrases that they were using? 
I think it just has an interesting implication for for us for coming to church on Sunday. And there's a verse in Amos, too, that talks about away with the noise of your song, but let righteousness and justice flow down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it might be more of an act of worship before we jump in and sing some songs and listen to a good message to, like, heal some relationships. Absolutely. Well, and I think, is, isn't that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that where kind of that practice of the passing of the peace um, was was often kind of aimed at this of of making peace with your brother. It wasn't so much. I think a lot of times in in church today, it has become just sort of a greeting time, yeah. and it was like wasn't it part of the communion liturgy, sort of to pass the peace yes. with one another. And it mm. was it was like go and make peace with your brother. Really, um, not just simply go shake hands and say good morning. Well, or that's peace, what it became. Or peace yeah. be with you. Yeah. <laughs> And, but yeah, I mean, it, it gets to the Lord's Prayer too. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who right. sin against us. Mm. As I'm at peace with others, and Jesus ends there with that reminder of you know our our anger will ensnare us, it, mm. it, it will imprison us, uh, and that's not something that we can free ourselves from. Yeah. I think anger just has a as a as a very physical feeling too. I think it's just something that gets in, you know, the inside of your physical body, and and um, until you're able to to release that in a healthy way, or you're able to um, forgive others and, and settle disputes, uh, it, it really does. There's an actual twisting inside physically, and um, I think the yeah the opposite of anger. I don't necessarily think is um, soft and fluffy kindness. I think it might just be um, uh, freedom uh, and humility um, towards other people. Because I think a lot of, at least my anger, stems from I can't control something or um, I think that I can do better than somebody else. Um, And so I think, yeah, the opposite of anger might be repositioning um, yourself amongst the sinners, <laughs> sure. Unsainting yourself, so to speak. It's a powerful emotion. Yeah, I think I, you nailed it. I think on on two of the places that anger comes from. I think a third, and, and it's probably not only three, but another mm-hmm. one for folks is anger comes from fear. Oh, when, yeah. when we're when we're afraid, whether that's backed into a corner or mm-hmm. whatever, um, that can sometimes come out as anger, right. even though I think it's coming from a place of fear within our hearts. And all of those places, wherever it comes from, Jesus is pointing here to say, you've, you've got you've to watch that because that's a powerful thing and something that we need to avoid. Let's go on to the next seg- section here. It's just a few more verses, um, but it's another, it, it ties right in with it. It's another one of those powerful things that um, can be misused. Uh, Adam, you want to read that? We're just going to read uh, verse 27 through 30. Yeah, I can do that. You have heard it said... You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. 
And that's the verse that leaves everyone with one eye and uh, one hand. Yeah. <laughs> fortunately, nobody's that fundamental in t- interpreting the Bible that they take this one right. literally. Right. That's always one of my, you know, when folks ask, you know, do, do you believe the Bible? You know, it, it, every word that's, you know, authoritative. And, and I always want to kind of push at them so you've got both eyes. <laughs> you know, did, did Jesus mean that when he said, uh, mm. if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out? Um, now, what did he mean there? I think it's you're messing. Don't don't take this lightly. Right. Sin is a powerful, um, corrupter, mm-hmm. and and I don't think like the people of Jesus' day who he was preaching this to. I don't think they went and cut their hands off right. or, and plucked their eyes out. I don't know of out. anybody who's actually ever done that. Right. I, I think I'm, it, it is, I think, some hyperbole that Jesus is using. Like, this is that serious of a thing. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. not something to take lightly. Like, he's, he's going to an extreme to say, cut your hand off or poke your eye out. Um, but we should be treating it with that, that sort of gravity here. All right. And his whole point is just like the anger one, you know, it's not about the outside physical purity, it's the inside purity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not about just simply you know, this whole, like, looking at a woman with lustful intent. Um, I mean, Jesus' words are are pretty specific there. It's not, it's not that you can't notice another person who might be beautiful or attractive, but what do you do after you notice? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what goes on in the heart, right. what goes on in the mind after you've noticed that? Jesus is trying to get at the root of all of this. And it, it again, leads us to that. <laughs> I'm, I, I have nothing I can say. Right. I, I, I can't. I, there's no way I can defend myself from, on that right. level. Uh, or the, you know, what we just talked about, the anger in the heart. Yeah, right off the bat, I mean, Jesus kind of just levels the playing field with everybody. No one is making it through these two hurdles unscathed. Mm. Everyone, to, to some degree or another, has anger uh, in their heart. Mm. I mean, who who has not been upset with someone else and and thought in their in their heart they thought like, oh man, wish that person just would go away or you know be dead or whatever. Like, um, you know, we all have those sorts of thoughts from one time or another. And who hasn't looked at somebody in an inappropriate way? I wonder if what the original hearers how they reacted. Yeah. Right? I feel like there had to have been, like, it had to have been one of those silences that was just, like, palpable. You know, you could right. just, like, cut the tension with a, mm-hmm. with a spoon. Um, <laughs> so much of it there all of a sudden. We're all excited. You know, at the beginning of this thing, the, mm-hmm. the blessed are blessed. all these people. Ah, yeah. Hey, I'm, a, I'm, I'm peaceful. I'm meek. That's cool. I can be salt. I can be light. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this got uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus got a uh, little, little, little real here. Very uncomfortable silence, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that verse is read um, where maybe you don't, you know, pluck out your eye or um, cut off your hand. But like, if you have a problem with like internet pornography, maybe you can't have the internet at your house. You know, like maybe you have to, um, you know, make some surface sacrifices. Um, to, to fix a really 
uh, I think bad exactly. problem. You know? Root it out. Yep. Get to the root of the, of the issue. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's Jesus' point here, that this this is so serious. Like, drastic steps may need to be taken. And it's, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, modern American culture is highly sexually charged. Everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... While we're probably never going to be able to get away from it all, there are steps we can take to protect ourselves, protect mm-hmm. our families, protect our children. Um, but that's not the reason. It's to protect our own heart. Mm-hmm. Right, because really through through both of these sections, it, Jesus is really asking um, for people to no longer put their hope in their own ability, mm-hmm. but to put their hope in him, you know? And so he's asking them, like, um, there are all of these other things that you value that aren't good for you. I am the most important thing mm-hmm. to value, and I am the best thing for you. And, and you know, that, that sounds arrogant, but it's true. You know, it, 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 it's so true. He's the best thing for us. And he, and he knows that. And he wants the best for us and knows that these other things that we're going to want to go after, anger, lust, and other stuff that he's going to get to as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is better than all of it. I was thinking of the, you know, the alcoholic process mm-hmm. where you, you know, introduce your name mm-hmm. and I'm a drunk, right? Yeah. This is my name. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I, I'm not above right. any of this stuff. Which is why I love that our services start with that. You know, right off the top, we, we start by acknowledging, I'm a sinner. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't come in here all righteous and here to get my accolades. Like, I come in here to recognize I'm broken. I couldn't do it. I tried and I failed. Mm. And, and yet, week after week, I hear the good news that Jesus is my righteousness and Jesus is, is better than I am. And for me. Mm-hmm. And thank God for Jesus, right? That that he is that one for us. Because he does lay it on. He I does. mean, he's going to yeah. talk about a lot of things in here that would really cause you trouble unless you hear the whole message. Right. Well, this has been great. Again, uh, thank you for, for listening. Thank you guys for, for the conversation here. And look forward to the next time we sit down to continue our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Well, we're back again for another segment of Why We Sing What We Sing. I'm sitting here with Adam Vanderstelt, our worship leader. And uh, this time we thought, since we're you know in the Advent season, that uh, maybe it's time to look at some Advent songs. And we wanted to look at, at some uh, traditional side songs. So I sat down here with Adam. We were, we were kind of flipping through the hymnal, yeah. look, looking at the Advent section. There's quite a few of them in here. A lot of them yeah, you I'm know, not very familiar with. We Lutherans have uh, you know pretty robust Advent collection in uh-huh. our hymnals. I've got a few uh, like non-denominational type hymnals in my collection here, and you know they often have like two right. or three. Oh, come, uh, oh, come, Emmanuel, and that's that's one. always a given. Usually, uh, come thou long expected Jesus. Oh, yep, that one too. And mm-hmm. then sometimes they they throw like 
a song that would normally be in the Christmas section into the Advent section just because it sort of straddles to, that line. <laughs> yeah, to give the Advent section a little bit more weight. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one that, that stood out to us, uh, that especially stood out to Adam as we were we were going through this here, is uh, one that, that is not maybe super familiar for folks. One called, uh, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Um, Adam, what was it maybe that, that kind of drew your attention to this song as we were flipping through the, the different choices? Well, a couple things. Yeah, so... Um, First of all, that is uh, the text is by Charles Wesley, um, and then the setting that's in here is, is written by one of my favorite composers, Ralph Vaughan Williams. Um, that's one thing. But then I started to read the 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 lyrics, and actually the lyrics are very much um, they sound like uh, like the second coming or like a revelation. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of high imagery of Christ's second return, and that was interesting to me. And I. I started to ask uh, Pastor Matt um, before we started recording, like, so, so why is this in the Advent section? And, and he has some really good answers. So, uh, Pastor Matt, can you tell me why this why this language ends up in the Advent section? Sure, sure. Well, you know, we tend to think so much um, like our culture does about Advent being, if if culture thinks about Advent at all, um, Advent is just the run up to Christmas. Oh, you know, okay. It's, it's the countdown um, in in like outside of the church in the popular culture. The probably the only time they think of the word Advent is like an Advent calendar. You know, the especially now the little countdown ones you get with the little chocolates in them or mm-hmm. candies or whatever. Um, although, have you seen the uh, the wine or the beer? I did see that Advent at Costco yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, parents getting in on the fun now too. That's maybe the only time the word Advent gets into the popular culture's imagination and it's always as a countdown mm-hmm. sort of a thing okay and advent really means appearing um oh it's it's the the appearing of jesus um and so the the season of advent in the church is not less a countdown to christmas and more so kind of kind of a two directions it's 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 looking back mm-hmm. at the first coming but also okay. looking ahead to the second coming Interesting. Um, so even so, like a song that we typically associate as a Christmas song, "Joy to the World," is actually written as an Advent song, as a Second Coming song, because it's oh. it's Jesus coming back right. is what's happening. Right. You know that in that song, you know, "No more let sin and sorrow grow." That's that's new creation language. Mm-hmm. That's Second Coming. Um, that's not necessarily Christmas. Okay. And so this song kind of has some of that going on too, where it's it's talking about Jesus returning. Mm. Um, the, the picture, you know, that low, he comes with clouds descending. Um, that's, that's that picture, like from Daniel, uh, chapter seven of the the one coming on the clouds. Mm -hmm. It's revelation of Jesus returning on the cloud. Mm -hmm. Um, it it is that picture of, of his second coming, not, not just his first coming. Right. Um, and it, you know, the second line, you know, once, uh, so now he comes, or lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for every sinner slain. So, you know, referring back to the one who was once slain for sinners. Okay. Um, thousand, thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Christ the Lord returns to reign. Like, mm. that's a very revelation song mm-hmm. um, that's very much pointing to that second coming of Jesus yeah he's returning to reign right um, the second verse goes on every eye shall now behold him robed in glorious majesty now that that sure sounds like you know that every knee will bow mm-hmm. every tongue, tongue confess, confess. Yeah, right um, reminding us of those things mm-hmm. 
those who set at naught and sold him. Love that old language in there. Right. Uh, pierced and nailed him to the tree. Deeply wailing, deeply wailing, deeply wailing, shall their true Messiah see. Mm-hmm. So it's it. That's like judgment right there. That's that's the judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, those who who nailed him to the tree, whether literally or metaphorically, mm-hmm. right? Those mm-hmm. who who crucify him. Um, there is that judgment there. The mm. third verse goes on. Those dear tokens of his passion, still his dazzling body bear, cause of a cause of endless exaltation to his ransomed worshipers. With what rapture, with what rapture, with what rapture, gazing we on those glorious scars. Mm. So it's that... There's that picture of uh, justification, right? That we're looking, we're beholding the scars in his hands and his side, mm. uh, those things that saved us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with what rapture is not talking about the American version of that word of, you know, those okay. those going before, you know, the, the called up to heaven before the rest of the tribulation, which is... That's a deep dive episode that we could really get into. You'll need Pastor Rob for that. Right. <laughs> well, and, and that's one that like that that word has just been co-opted um, in such a way where it's it really meant joy, you know. Oh, what, with what joy? With what okay. joy? Okay. Um, mm. you know, we gaze on those glorious scars. Well, what's really interesting to me is is it seems like the language in in this song um, in the context in which we sing it in Advent um, like Christmas isn't like the destination. It's sort of right. like um, uh, sort of the epicenter, the the pebble, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and and these are the ripples, right? Yep. Uh, and that's that's really interesting to to uh, look at Advent that way. Yeah, we make a big deal about Christmas when the the church for a long time didn't. You know, it was not as big of a, a significant celebration. It was it was a celebration, mm-hmm. um, more of a commemoration mm-hmm. than like a big celebration the way we think of it now, where it's you know the all the trappings that go along with it. Um, it was just another another one of the holy days of the church year where mm-hmm. they remembered. Uh, also, like we should probably point out, like Christmas is not Jesus' birthday. It's the commemoration of Jesus' birth. So it was the day that they just put on the calendar mm-hmm. to commemorate when Jesus was born. Um, not necessarily like that was on his driver's license as his date of birth. Okay. Um, we don't actually know when right. Jesus was born. Yeah, could have been um, in July. Right. It's just the day that, unlike Easter, where Easter is actually associated with the, the actual time of year when Jesus rose, mm-hmm. um, Christmas is one of those holidays that just got got assigned a date on the calendar and okay and it lives on on December 25th um, but but it was not the the big celebration that it is today not the thing that we counted down to sure in in this regard um, okay it's its own little season uh, you know real the real traditional churches d- like for a long time didn't put up Christmas trees until mm. Christmas mm. and then you you had your Christmas trees up for the Christmas season which actually starts on Christmas oh. unlike our, our our cultural holiday kind of calendar where Christmas stuff goes up you know like right after Halloween yeah 
it was always the day after Thanksgiving for us. That was like yep. you got to eat the big meal, and then you had the whole work of putting up the, the giant fake tree, which my my father just had to have it just like perfect. So it took hours yep. right after the day of Thanksgiving. And yeah, then it was up the up until Christmas. But then the day after, you just <laughs> took it down. Right, right. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so we leave everything up, or we, we, start, we start putting it all up early, counting down to Christmas. Christmas gets here, and like, you know, within a couple of days, it's all coming down. Right. Um, or for sure by like, you know, New Year's Eve. Usually mm-hmm. it's all put away by then for most folks. Where the season of Christmas actually runs from Christmas, it's the 12 days after Christmas. That's the season of Christmas. And, um, you know, so we, if you want to be real traditional about it, you don't put your tree up until Christmas and you leave it up for that season. Advent becomes a, a, a season of preparation unto itself. Mm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just tie this up here with the yeah. last verse here. Um, again, I love the old language in some of these old hymns. So, yea, amen, let all adore thee, high mm-hmm. on thine eternal throne. Savior, take the power and glory, claim the kingdom as thine own. Alleluia, 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 thou shalt reign and thou alone. Mm. So, man, like you talk about a an end times, uh, new creation, right. second coming verse, like mm-hmm. that's it. Interesting. Jesus, take your place on that throne and reign, mm. and you're the only one who gets to do that. Mm. So yeah, it's it. You know, it's in the Advent section, um, and it's it's, uh, but it's definitely not a Christmas song in the sense of what we think of as like right. birth of Jesus type songs. Um, definitely a song looking ahead to Jesus' second coming. So yeah, thanks for picking that one, Adam. A great song. We're going to be singing this one at uh, St. Matthew in the the coming weeks here as we prepare for Christmas and through the Advent season. And uh, yeah, look forward to singing it with kind of those fresh eyes looking at those lyrics there. Thanks for listening in today on all these great conversations. We'd love to hear from you as we continue this journey together. If you could rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would help us out and help others find us. And if there's a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can email us at media at stmatthewgr.com. Thanks for listening and keep following Jesus together as we become everyday disciples.